0: So for those of you that are newer to, to Bethany or this is your first time or your first time in a long time, if you would go ahead and pull out your bulletin. I'd also love to have you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew uh, chapter 5 and inside of the bulletin you're going to see... Uh, there's going to be some message notes that are in there. It's the, going to be the back there. And you'll know that for the last three weeks, we've been looking at what does it mean to not only be a Christian, but more importantly than that, what does it mean for us to be a disciple of Jesus? Uh, two weeks ago, I had a message. It was called Talmudine of Christ. And that is the Greek word for the meaning disciple. And a disciple would have been the people that Jesus would have called, and they would have been his followers. And uh, I gave you uh, some of these definitions of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. But here it is, it's discipleship really is, it's this process of becoming more like Jesus. And and that is something that you just never really arrive at until you get to see Jesus face-to-face one day. We're looking forward to that day. But between now and then, there's this process of of becoming like him. and And what we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be spending some time at the top of each of these messages looking at what does it mean for us to be disciples? What does it mean for us to have these spiritual disciplines? And here's why. In the first century, Jesus called disciples and these disciples followed him... Everywhere he went, but he also called them out of a culture, which is very different than ours. See, a lot of times what happens is this church is we take our culture and we try to we try to view the first century culture through our lens. But what we need to do, church, is we need to understand the first century culture and begin to see how that should inform us. Does that make sense, everyone? It's either Scripture's going to form us or we're going to try to tell scripture what it means. Am I preaching yet? And so learning from the first century um, Jewish culture that Jesus, our rabbi, our savior was born into and led out of, we see that the earliest understanding that people had what it means to be um, fully devoted to God, fully devoted to their rabbi, would have been just following him, learning from him wherever he went. And it would have become being people of the book. The book would have been for them the Torah. For us, the book is the Bible. And so this whole idea of what does it mean to be a disciple, it's three things on the screen right here. The first is is gonna be, I think it's coming up right now. It's, it's to spend time with Jesus, to become more like Jesus, so that we can ultimately do what Jesus did. That's the idea. We want to spend time with Jesus so that we can become more like Jesus so that we can do what Jesus did. So over the course of these next few weeks as we're walking through the Beatitudes of Jesus, we're going to be spending time with Him. I'm going to talk about that today and last week so that we can become more like Him, which is going to come up in a couple of weeks and then do the stuff that He did, which is how we're going to culminate this teaching series. So how do we Spend time with jesus last week What we did is we challenged all of us as a church family to make time every day to spend time in god's word And I challenged all of us to have a moment where we downloaded uh, Where we read the bible verse of the day and then not only did we want to read it But we wanted to meditate on it and then we wanted to share it with somebody else So i'm going to do something really risky right now i'm going to ask you with a show of hands if this next, if this last week you um, were more committed to reading the Bible every day, and if you med- meditated on it and you shared it with somebody else, when I count to three, I'm going to have you raise your hand. Okay, ready? One, two, three, raise your hand. Well, that's pretty cool. All right. I'd say give yourselves a hand, uh, but you already had one in the hair. Uh, and also, I told you that I wasn't going to have you guys do that. So that's pretty cool. A lot of you did that. Um, and I did that with many of you, some of you, But that's really an encouragement that we can have. You know, sometimes we can say, hey, make it a great day or have a great day or happy Father's Day. But there's something super powerful about when we take scripture and we share scripture with somebody else. And so what I wanna do is I wanna ramp it up one more step. And the idea that I wanted to share with you on the top of your message are the spiritual disciplines of not only reading God's word, but then if you would fill this in, that you would commit ...to a spiritual life journal or life journaling. Would you write that in on your message notes? It's this whole idea of a spiritual life journal. And what what do I mean by that? What I mean is there's a couple things that we need... To have a spiritual life journal. Um, first of all, we need to have a piece of paper uh, or a journal. Kind of cool. My daughter Paige, who's right down here, she knows how much I love to to uh, journal, and she gave me a new Father's Day journal. So thank you, Paige. I love this a lot. And she even wrote some nice things in the front that I think she mostly means. So uh, uh, and uh, but this is a wonderful journal that I have. We're actually giving away some free journals today for for our dads when you're making your way on out. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to highlight something, and that is is that we have provided um, journals for you to consider um, uh, embracing and so giving credit where credit's due uh, the idea of spiritual life journal journaling is something that I started doing almost 20 years ago there's a man by the name of Wayne Cordero uh, he's a pastor uh, he's had a profound impact on my life I actually read his book some 20 years ago called doing church as a team and then I had the opportunity to go and see him doing church as a team. It was a tough gig, but Amy and I went to Hawaii. You know what I mean? So we had to do it, right? I mean, someone had to do it, right? So we we went to Hawaii and we, we went to this conference and, and we got this opportunity to go and sit in with his staff. And we were blown away the first day that when we were there with his staff and they all had, and, and, and I'm going to show you here a picture of what they look like, they all had these life journals. We walked into the very first meeting of a Monday morning after church on a Sunday and the entire staff had a Bible, they had a journal, they had a pen, and they were life journaling together. Now, that church ended up growing into a church of over 16,000 people in Oahu. Now, uh, doing church in Hawaii, um, you think it's hard and distracting to do in California, try to do it there. There's a lot of things to do on a Sunday. But one of the things that Wayne would tell you, and I had the opportunity to go uh, to a conference here in town a couple of weeks ago at uh, Valley Christian Center where he spoke, he will tell you that what grew his church from two people to 20,000 people was reading God's word every day and life journaling. And so if you're serious about becoming a disciple of Jesus, what I wanted to do is I wanted to share with you a spiritual discipline that has changed my life profusely. And it's all based on an acronym, SOAP. S-O-A-P. And so if you're taking notes, if you would write down what the S stands for, and it stands for scripture, if you would write down scripture. And what that means is, is that when you when you have your Bible and you commit to a Bible reading plan, and by the way, inside of these is a Bible reading plan, um, you can follow that. If you have your own Bible reading plan that you're already doing, knock yourself out, do that one. Some of us are gonna continue to do the verse of the day and use that. But what we literally do is we write out a bible verse inside of our journal. So again, you don't need to, you don't need this one. This one would work. This one could work. It could it could be a napkin. Don't care, It doesn't matter. It can even be on your computer, it can be on your tablet, whatever it is, but that you write out that scripture. And the reason why that is important is, is simply this. Is because the entire first century educational system was built around the bible, Torah, and it used to be um, that the, that our educational system here in America was built around what everyone—the Bible—and then they've now removed the Bible from education, and we now leave ourselves in a big hot mess. Amen. So what we're needing to do is we're needing to replace biblical illiteracy uh, in the schools to literacy in our hearts and our homes and our lives. And so what I'm encouraging us to do is to become people of the Word, the Bible. Uh and so uh why is that? Well, here it is, is because there's a lot of really smart people in this world, and they and they and they can give you a lot of great things to say, but there's only one truth source that's gonna change your life, and it's gonna change you from the inside out, and it's God's Word. I'm reminded of Paul writing to his mentee, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3.16, and he says that scripture is God breathed. Everyone say God breathed. And he goes on to say that it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man or the woman of God can become thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so that is what we're doing, churches. We're, we're taking the, the literal word of god the breath of god and we're applying it to our hearts and our lives and we're taking it seriously and we're just writing it out so this is going to be something new that i encourage you to do this week is to take every day or whenever you can do it a scripture and then just write it out it can be one sentence it doesn't have to be a paragraph right you'll get carpal tunnel right just write a write a sentence and write it down it'll change your life number two write down the o in in soap and that is an observation and then what you do is you just simply write down an observation. And the observation, what you're going to do today is, is you're going to actually hear my observation and application from my spiritual journey, journaling from a couple of weeks ago uh, through the Beatitudes. That's what I did. And an application is a way uh, for us to just to get real and for us to get honest. Um, with like, what is God saying in this passage? And then we move into the A of soap and that is application. Just write down the word application, please. Application is going to be the, if you will, the, the spiritual sweet sauce of spiritual growth. And that is where we take a truth of God. We uh, we We make an observation or we meditate on it. God begins to speak to us because here's what happens when we read scripture. We think we're reading scripture, but what ends up happening is scripture ends up reading us. It begins to reveal those parts in our hearts and our lives that are not where they're supposed to be, where God wants us to be. And so we take scripture, we have an observation, we then write out an application of how the truth of that scripture can impact our life. And then P, if you would write this one down, this one's scary for a lot of people, it is prayer. Write it down, prayer. And I'm not really sure why it is that prayer scares people. Um, but even some of the, the most seasoned saints that I know, that if you were to ask them to pray, they get a little nervous sometimes, right? And so prayer, I've discovered one of the ways that I have become more biblical in my prayers is by writing out my prayers. I just literally write out my prayers. Have you guys ever heard a prayer and you're like, whoa, that was weird, right? That was a weird one, right? Not really sure that you can find any kind of biblical. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Has anyone ever heard a crazy prayer, right? I think, what well, was it the theologian Garth Brooks has said, I thank the Lord for unanswered <laughs> prayers, right? I'm not sure he's a theologian. He's a pretty good country singer. But what I, what I do know is, is that God always answers prayers. The answer is sometimes no or not yet. Or sometimes it's go. So next week, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a little foretaste of what are we going to look at. Next week, before we jump into the Sermon on the Mount, Beatitude, we're going to look at prayer and try to do my very best to demystify what this incredibly mystical thing is called a conversation with God. And we're going to I'm going to give you a, just a little bit of a thing that I've been doing over the years that has really helped me become a person of prayer and some of you are going to find it very very helpful and others of you are going to find it very very like that is um very unimpressed with you Brent right now right I'm very impressed I thought it was gonna be much better than that but I need to assure you that I'm going to make it helpful biblical and practical and that's what we're looking for right everybody okay so that is your spiritual discipline and I realize that we don't like the word discipline but when you look at the word disciple, it's in the word. So to be a fully devoted disciple of Jesus Christ means that we're going to be disciplining our self. So with that being said, Matthew chapter five, you guys there? Say, I'm there. All right. Matthew chapter five. We're looking at the beatitudes A beatitude at the heart of beatitude is an attitude and an attitude is a choice. And Jesus says this last week. Blessed is the are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We learned last week that being poor has nothing to do with your bank account balance, has nothing to do with how much money you have, has nothing to do with anything financial, but it has everything to do with the moral bankruptcy of our lives because of the impact of sin. There's none of us that are holy, no, not one. And that sin has marred us. And the quicker we can come to the realization that we are morally bankrupt and in need of a savior, the quicker we can do that, the quicker we can become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ and we'll be happy. That word blessed literally means happy if you're to translate it. So last week I gave you a choice and the choice I put it there um, on your notes and the choice was to depend on God and not on yourself. It's to it's to put your trust in Him And not to be in denial about it anymore, but it's to trust in Him and what Christ has done and to embrace grace. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And at the heart of this first choice, of being happy, of being blessed, is understanding what God has done for us. He has been very graceful to us. Amen, church? Then the second thing, and this is going to be our Beatitude for today, is this whole idea of blessed are those who mourn. Everyone say mourn. 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 Okay, yeah, mourn, right? You want to say happy, right? Mourn, right? But if you look at this whole blessed, if you're to say literally translated, happy are those who are hurting is really what it translates to. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now, there are going to be nine different statements of Jesus. He's going to be making these nine statements that he wants to take seriously in our life. And he said, blessed are those of you who mourn. And so here's a choice that I want you to make. If you have your notes, write this down. Here it is. It's choosing to believe that God can help. If you would write that down. It's choosing to believe that God can help. And a lot of times when we think about about God, we wonder, does God care um, and and, and, and is he even aware? See, what I've discovered in my life, and and I'm going to ask you to nod your head on this one. Have you guys noticed that sometimes that we'll be going through life and we're going to be pretty self-focused, but it's not until something kind of hard happens in our life that we kind of, God gets our attention. Have you noticed that Sometimes. That sometimes God uses pain or he uses hard situations and circumstances to get our attention. Well, that is what I think Jesus is talking about. I think he's saying is, is that the one thing that we know to be certain in life is, is that life is hard. And life can be challenging and it can be difficult. I was looking at a Gallup study and a couple years ago I was really kind of surprised by this. But 90% of Americans would say that they believe in God. 90%. But it's interesting to note that under 50% of those same people that believe in a God believe that God actually cares. That God is even aware that they exist. And so if you want to fall back asleep... If you want to be able to be at the lunch table today and feel really spiritual with people around you and say, I listened to the pastor. I heard what he said. Here is your your message in a minute, right? Here's your sermon in the sentence. Here's your big idea. Write this down. And then you can go back to watching the U.S. Open down in Los Angeles. Okay, so here it is. Write it down. It is that God is aware that God cares and that God is able. Would you say that out loud with me, church? Here we go. That God is what? Aware that God cares and that God is able. And so what I want to do is I just want to unpack this truth that I believe is right there in the Sermon on the Mount. That God is aware. There's a big fancy theological word and it's called the omniscience of God. And the omniscience of God means that God knows that God is Aware uh, and that he, he knows what we're going through. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows your fears. He knows your frustrations. He knows your failures. He also knows when you're having fun. And you don't even have to be a follower of Jesus for God to be aware of what's going on in your life. I'm reminded of uh, the, the proverb, the, 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 the wisdom writer who said these words. He said that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and also on the good. And so we know that there is this God who created the heavens and the earth. He created you and me. He understands our days. He's seen them before we have. And we know that God is aware. Now everyone say, but God cares. God does care. And he cares about what we're feeling. He cares about, about our hurts and our pains. The scriptures tell us that God is close to the brokenhearted. When we look at our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we know that He cared. Multiple times, we see that Jesus was got. So, he cared so much that He actually wept. Yeah, if you know that or not. One time, looking at the city of, of Jerusalem, it says that He wept. Another time, when He went over to a close family's house, um, Mary and Martha. You heard of them? Well, they had a brother named Lazarus, and and, and you've heard the story probably before. But I don't want to assume that you know it. And Lazarus was dead. And and Jesus knew he was dead. And Jesus actually knew that he was going to be raising him from the dead. Um, But when he went to the house, it said that the family was just distraught. And they were crying. They were weeping. And it said that Jesus wept. He cried. Now, do you think Jesus wept because Lazarus was dead? No. No. I think he knew he was dead. I think he wept because those who loved Lazarus were crying. They were hurting. See, a lot of times we think that 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 God is just this far off entity and deity, and and that He doesn't care, and He doesn't have concern for our pain. But if you believe that, then you're believing then Jesus doesn't care. And time after time after time, Jesus would see people with a need, and He cared. And he would meet that need with his love and his ability. And as his Christ followers, the ones who want to not only listen from him and learn from him, but do what he did. Friends, I need you to know as the priesthood of all believers, you have been called to care for people the way Christ would care for people. We've been called to do that. And 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 Jesus cared. And I believe we should care as well. And number three, if you would, um, it's this idea of God being able that God is capable to do abundantly more than we could ever hope or imagine. That our God is capable to raise dead things to life, amen? That he is capable, he is able. He's not limited by our our flesh and bones and our skin and our schedule and our fears and our frustrations and our hurts and our habits and our hangups, but that he is able to do so much more. So the question is simply this. Do we view ourselves through the lens of a disciple of Jesus? I want to remind you real quick. Jesus on the side of a mountain in Israel. He was speaking like I'm speaking to you. He was speaking about the kingdom of heaven and of earth. He was giving kingdom principles. And the second kingdom principle he shared was simply this. Blessed are you when you mourn, for you will be comforted. So here's my question, church. Are any of you mourning? Are any of you hurting? Do you know somebody in your life that is just going through it? You find yourself in a situation or a circumstance where you've you've got some some wounds, some baggage, some hurt, some self-inflicted wounds that you've done and you've looked back at it and you're just like, oh man... Friends, this is what it means. It means that if you truly trust God and you take Him at His word, which I think we should do by the way, it means that God will never waste a hurt. He's never going to waste a hurt you You mean that diagnosis? Yes, you mean that addiction? Yes, you mean that divorce? Yes. you mean that terrible decision and choice that I made with my yes. God is omnipotent. He knows you don't need to hide from Him. You don't need to be in denial about it. And I believe the quicker we can embrace the sovereignty of our God and start leaning into the kingdom principles that our Savior is saying are right there for the picking, we'll begin to live the blessed life. See, a lot of times we think happiness has to do with all of these things that are based on happenings. I, I, I just want to be happy. Well, the friends, what, what, what Jesus is going to do over these next couple of weeks is he's going to redefine what happiness really is. As I prepare to close and the band's going to make their way up on the stage now with a final song. What I wanted to do is, is I wanted to share with you something kind of cool that happened this week. Um, the, uh, the Bible verse of the day, I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday was from a prophet named Nahum. Nahum, N-A-H-U-M. And you may be wondering to yourself, what is a Nahum, right? Okay, so Nahum was a minor prophet. You might be thinking to yourself like a minor prophet, you know, okay. So major prophets were big prophets that did a lot of prophesying, like guys like Isaiah and Jeremiah. But Nahum was was kind of one of these these smaller, little bit lesser known prophets like like Micah and Habakkuk. And Nahum uh, said something pretty awesome. And I went ahead and I put it on your notes there, everybody. It's on the bottom of your notes. Said that the Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. Now, why am I sharing this with you as we get ready to close? Well, because here's why. Because Nahum was writing this from my favorite place in the world, Israel, in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem as a culture and as a city was under attack. They weren't in a time of blessing. They were in a time of persecution. They're going through a hard time. I guess you could say they were in mourning. They were wondering if the Messiah would ever come. And what Nahum did is he said, God's aware. He knows what's going on. God cares. He's concerned. And God is capable and he is able. You know, when we look at holy history and we begin to see the prophets and we begin to see the things that they have said and they have done over the years, there have been times that it looked like the prophecies would never come true. But I need you to know that the prophecies of the Lord in Scripture are yes and amen. Amen. And that means that whatever we're going through, the pain that we're experiencing, the hurts that we're going through, the words of Nahum ring true to us today. And it was such a beautiful reminder of the power of life journaling, the power of Scripture, that I was able to read the verse of the day that Nahum was talking about and then to be thinking about the Beatitudes, the blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted. And all of a sudden I saw this parallel thousands of years later, living in Fresno to something that Jesus said on the mountainside in Galilee to something that Nahum said in Jerusalem. And I thought to myself, oh, our God is so good. Amen. He's worthy of our praise. We can trust him because he's aware he cares. And he is so much bigger. He's telling a bigger story than we could ever hope or imagine. Do you believe that, church? Do you believe that, church? I sure do. Would you guys go ahead and stand to your feet? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to go and we're going to sing this final song. So, Lord God, would we be men and women of faith? God, would we not be afraid to mourn? Would we not be afraid, God, to hurt? God, that we would not be afraid to be real, that we wouldn't be afraid to look at, at the at the, the, the missing father or the prodigal child or, or the things that are going on interpersonally, relationally, financially, physically, spiritually, emotionally, all the things that form our lives, God, would we trust that God, you are good and that you love us, that you are aware? that you're close to the broken-hearted, God, and that you're telling a bigger story, that we can trust you, God, that we're being grafted into a bigger and a better thing than we could ever imagine. Lord God, would we be happy when we're hurting? Because, Lord God, when we're hurting, when we trust you, God, you're near to the broken-hearted. We can trust you in the valley. We can praise you on the top of the mountain because, God, you are so good. And so now, as a response... We are leaning into you. For those that have never leaned into you with their lives, Jesus, right now, would you invade their hearts and their lives? Would you meet them at their deepest point of need? Would they trust you? Maybe they've never given their life to you. Would they give their life? Would they acknowledge their moral bankruptcy and their need for a Savior and for the grace that can only come through the blood of Jesus Christ? And would we as a church family, would we more and more Continue to look for those in need and share the love of God in practical and tangible ways. Would we become people of the book? Would we become people more and more that love you in spirit and in truth? It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we all prayed. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.